0: Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages Podcast. You can find more information about the church at SevernRun.com. Enjoy the message.
1: What you're about to see are the real and personal experiences of Severn Runners in our nation. These stories are not fiction, these people are not actors. These are real personal experiences of pain from your fellow Severn runners. We invite you to listen, not to respond or to rebut, but to feel the pain of your brothers and sisters as your own so that we can begin to move forward as one.
2: Good morning. My name is Hank Bellinger, 79 years old, born in Salem, Virginia, but had the privilege of spending many, many years in the military. I was able to travel all over the United States of America and other parts of the globe. Racism and segregation is something that I've had to live with. I've had to live with it at work. I've had to live with it in all of the environments that we're faced with. But today I wanted to speak to you briefly of one of the early uh, involvements, if you will, of trying to understand uh, your place. And this had to do when I was about six years old, uh, living in Salem, Virginia and standing on my front porch when one of our neighbors a white man and his son came to see my grandfather my grandfather was was my idol uh, he feared no man and he could do anything but when the guy came to visit him they had a nice conversation because they we were friends and i was standing Beside my grandfather, and the gentleman who came to see my dad had his son, who was about my age, standing with him. And when uh, he dealt with my granddad in his business, he said, well, I'll see you later, Ed. And my granddad said, okay, I'll see you later, Dan. Then this little guy, he spoke up. He said, well, I'll see you later, Ed when he said that, I thought I had every right to say, I'll see you later, Dan. But as soon as they left, my uh, grandmother uh, called me to the side and she said, son, she said, uh, don't you ever, and I'll quote her, and I'll never forget this, she said, don't you ever call a white man by his name. And she didn't further explain it, but I learned later on that her fear was that uh, he would go back, tell some of his friends that this little uppity colored boy around the hill uh, sassed me. And that if I were to go out in the evening somewhere, you never can tell what might would happen. So this is the kind of early thing that you learn early on You know about the water fountains. You know about the streets that you need not go down, come back in the afternoon, come back before too dark. But these are the things that stay with you kind of for the rest of your life. Uh, Can you feel my pain? Thank you. One
1: of my experiences with racism happened in 1965. Uh, with the desegregation of schools in Virginia. I had to leave a school, friends, and teachers that I loved to go to a school that didn't want me there. I didn't want to be there, but I didn't have a choice. When we got to the school, there were no African-American teachers on staff. So I felt like, you know, we really didn't have the allies in that school. I really felt lost. Um, One of my teachers was Mrs. T. She taught home economics. And Mrs. T did not like African-Americans. She treated all, me and all the African-American girls in her class different than she treated everybody else. Uh, she didn't help us with any projects. She really ignored us. So I really felt invisible in her class. At the end of the semesters when we got our grade, I got an F in Home Ec. My first F, I've never gotten an F in my life. And all of the African-American girls in her class got an F. You know, I felt angry. You know, uh, it made me feel like I was stupid and I felt devalued because I felt like I would never measure up to what she wanted because I would never be white. Can you feel my pain?
3: Several years ago, about 20 to be exact, I used to work for a men's clothing store that was part of a national chain. I'd gone to work one day and actually opened the store, Uh, worked a full day when we got the call that one of the other stores in our region needed some help. A lot of the folks that scheduled to work that day at that location had called out sick. So when I got off, I made my way over to the other location and when I met my colleague there, Uh, Because I had already worked a full day at my store and tended to customers, we agreed that since they received shipment that day, that I would work the back of the store processing the the inventory while he would work the front, tending to any customers that might come in. We expected it to be a slow day because it was the early part of the week, Uh, so we thought this was a good plan. As I processed the inventory and uh, finished doing so, I actually finished sooner than I thought, or than we thought, uh, so I decided to go ahead and restock the merchandise that was out on the, sh- out on the racks. Uh, and this meant repeated tip, uh, trips rather to the back storeroom, bringing out the new inventory and taking down the old. Growing up in the South, particularly in North Carolina, I'd grown to understand and recognize uh, looks and stares coming my way. When anyone doing the looking and the staring thought that maybe I was out of place, maybe that I didn't belong. I noticed two customers that had come in, uh, staring and curiously looking at me and wondering what I was doing. And I even overheard them ask each other, what's that guy back there doing? What's that black guy doing in the back? Is he trying to steal those things? Even though I'd already, have already by now, ascended the executive ranks in the federal government, I still recognize those stares and understand what those looks mean my colleague after dealing with one customer came to them and asked what was the matter and they shared with, her, with him rather what they thought was going on or at least questioned and he said who him? That guy? He's our regional manager actually one of the top salespersons, not only in our district but across our region See in that moment 20 years ago and even still today there are moments when I feel undervalued less than out of place, and unwanted. Can you feel my pain?
0: I grew up in the South, in the state of Louisiana. One thing I appreciate is the fact that you know where you stand with people. People tell you exactly how they feel about you and what they think about you. My parents were products of the civil rights movement. And at an early age, they told me about the value of education. I can remember being pulled over by the cops. They deemed it probable cause. Can you imagine being pulled over and being called boy? Can you imagine having to answer questions regarding? How you could afford a car. I moved to Virginia, where I attended Virginia Tech. There I pursued my PhD. Can you imagine being in a classroom where you're the only minority? Where the conversation focuses on cross burnings. Tactics used to drive persons from neighborhoods. Upon graduating, I began work with the federal government. Can you imagine being around a group of older white males where everyone addresses them as doctor? But when it came to me, oh, that's just Terrence. Can you imagine the disrespect? Can you feel my pain?
4: When I was a sophomore in college, I became study partners with a white classmate in our calculus class. It was a tough class and uh, we helped each other through it and got to the end of the semester. Uh, didn't see her much over the next couple of years, but occasionally passed her on campus. We caught up uh, one last time, uh, very near the end of our senior years in college and stopped there on the quad on campus. and. As we were talking, talking about uh, next plans, we both discovered that we were going to law school. And so we started talking about the law school admissions process, where we'd gotten into, where we didn't. She had gotten into a great number of schools. She was really excited, an awesome school that she had decided to attend. Came to me, I told her where I was going, good school. And when I shared with her where I was headed, it's like her demeanor immediately changed. It was disbelief and then it turned to anger, almost furious it seemed at the news I had shared with her. She looked at me and just said, you know, you only got into that school because of affirmative action. Then she topped it off by saying, Jody, I'm going to be your boss one day. Uh, Suffice it to say the conversation ended a a bit awkwardly. Um, And I was angry. But as I walked away and as the conversation replayed in my mind uh, in, the, in the next few weeks, in the next few months, I was hurt by what she had said. I was, I was felt disrespected. And even though I knew that I had done what I needed to do academically to, to go to the school where I was headed, those comments allowed some self-doubt to, to creep in. Like, you know, I just wasn't good enough or, You know, like uh, I was only there because I was a Lumbee Indian and I was feeling some kind of diversity quota that they had. Her comments just made me feel like I wasn't up to par and and ultimately that I could never be on her level or, or be in the position that she was in. I'd never achieved that. Can you feel my pain?
1: I was an honor student at Arundel Middle School. In October of 2016, because of my national origin, something happened to me that dramatically changed my life. A group of girls were spreading rumors about me that were completely untrue. When I became aware of the rumors, I tried to explain that I had no knowledge of the event being discussed. One girl in particular, who was the instigator of the rumor, threatened me with bodily harm. My name was written on bathroom walls calling me a Mexican bee and other insulting comments about me. It made me feel insecure and confused because these girls were my close friends and out of nowhere turned completely against me. I made every attempt to resolve the situation with the school administration and the girl. However, the bullying and threats to harm me continued.